us, we know there's a massive demand there. We're very, very worried that we, we really are worried that this is going to have massive impact on older people in Northern Ireland and on the small, often voluntary fund community sector groups that actually support these and actually look after these and open their doors for older people for either warmth or for social contact or for food. Welcome to the Community Foundations podcast. Your hosts today are Kirsty McMullen and myself, David Kennedy. This podcast, we will be looking at the cost of living crisis and its impact on our communities. In particular, we are delighted to be joined today by Roisin Wood, CEO of the Community Foundation, Eddie Lynch, the Commissioner for Older People, and Liam Dugan, Senior Policy and Engagement Officer for Curves NI. Our discussion in this episode will be to highlight the impact the cost of living is having on society with a focus on older people and carers. These two groups are spread right across our society and it is no understatement to say that when they are ex- what they are experiencing will be felt very closely by many other sections within our communities. So Roisin, what is the Community Foundation's experience and work on tackling the cost of living crisis? Thanks, Kirsty. I mean, for us, I think we have been, um, we opened up an older people's poverty f- fund and we were not surprisingly over, absolutely oversubscribed and inundated. And we've also given some money to the Fuel Bank and we've given some money to the Trussell Trust and we've also given some money to the Rio Ferdinand Foundation. But for us, we know there's a massive demand there. We're very, very worried that we we really are worried that this is going to have massive impact on older people in Northern Ireland and on the small, often voluntary fund community sector groups that actually support these and actually look after these and open their doors for older people for either warmth or for social contact or for food. And so we're sort of, I mean, I'll put a plug in now, if anybody wants to come and talk to us, please do so. But we're actually really, really concerned and we're really pushing that the government tries to do more, that we try to work collaboratively with others to try and do more because we're just worried we get to the stage that the fact that can somebody die? Can somebody die in isolation? Can an older person die in isolation due to poor health or poor fuel or poor food? And I don't think any of us wants that. The Community Foundation itself has, at least this year, over a thousand grantees now, and, and a database much bigger than that. We're, what the Community Foundation are hearing on the ground from those grantees is the sheer need. Certainly, as a flexible mm-hmm. funder, what has the Community Foundation been telling the uh, the grantees? I think for those, those that are already existing grantees, uh, we've asked them to come back to us. We realise and recognise the impact on the sector. We've said, come back to us. If you want to reprofile your budget, please do so. If you want to say last year, these are our targets, but we can't because everything's changed and we know everything's changed. Come back to us again. Re-look at your your targets, reschedule with us. Just always have a conversation with us because we are really, our core is trying to be as agile, as flexible a fund as we possibly can be. And so even in the Older People's Fund, we've kept the application process very simple very easy. We're not looking for a lot because we want to try and get the money out the door to the people who need it as fast as possible. We learned that through COVID. We learned good lessons through COVID that when we all pull together, we can get money out to the sector that has significant impact really fast. And we can't go back to the old ways. We've got to take that model of funding and implement it through all of our funding. And we actually ask other funders and government to think in the same way. Um, you know what the sector needs. We know what the sector needs. So get that money out fast. 
with an agility that the sector needs to actually address this is a crisis. We're in the middle of a crisis. There's no doubt in my mind about that. So we have to really, really, really be as fast and agile as we possibly can be. Eddie, coming to yourself and just bringing you in the conversation, tell me about your experience in, as the Older People's Commissioner uh, and what you're hearing from those you represent. Well, I, I have never experienced um, a time in, in the age sector where older people have been as fearful as they are now. Um, over the last number of months, I've been out and about again to different engagements. And I've had people coming up to me without fail at every engagement, raising concerns right back before the summer about the winter ahead and how they were going to cope with the huge increase in energy bills. Um, and we are, in, as Roshan said, we are in a crisis situation there's no doubt about it the level of increases to people's bills are off the scale and people are scrambling around to think how they're going to get through the winter months ahead and i suppose there are two two ways we can we can deal with this we can provide more money to people um and we also though i think have to do everything we can as a society to provide spaces for people to get out of their house um, one of the ways, one of the strategies that older people use to manage their energy bills even before um, the recent hikes was to get out of the house as much as possible, you know, keep active in your community, meet up with groups, you know, meet up with friends. And I think what they're saying now is they need to have the ability to do that more often. And that's a big challenge for us all as a society. Um, you know, at the start of the pandemic, we saw a great community response. Uh, to the pandemic where we had a situation where older people particularly were being told that they had to stay at home to keep themselves safe and there was a good response in terms of the community providing food and um, calling in on older people making sure they were okay now we're in a different situation where the threat is within and um, that older people have to be supported to get out of the house if they're going to be able to afford to heat their you know pay their bills over the winter so that's why it's really important that the likes of the community foundation are providing this funding to groups because that will have a massive impact um, i'm sure on older people who can avail of those services over the months ahead the the latest cost of living research from AGK found that 65,000 households uh, of age 60 plus will have insufficient income to cover their essential spending this year liam as we come to you uh, obviously there are huge numbers Curs uh, within our society are a huge number as well and often invisible um, for the work that they do. Um, they are particularly a vulnerable, vulnerable group uh, and Curs and I have just released a report, uh, The State of Curring, which focuses in a large part on the challenges to this sector and the impact of the cost of living crisis for Curs. Tell me more about that. Thanks, David. Um, so, as you mentioned, Carers and I have done our uh, kind of annual state of care survey. Carers, um, which is quite a diverse, you know, diverse group, and um, we estimate that there's around two hundred and ninety thousand um, carers. Um, and obviously, if that number, there's going to be you know different types and different situations and and different experiences. But one of the things that kept coming through in our state of care survey was the cost of living and just the access to to be able to means to to afford day-to-day living um, and i think one one care in particular um expressed it brilliantly where they mentioned that um at the minute they were just about getting by and um, they were existing not living and that you know th- so there's a quite a rich vein of, of information and personal stories there that that and as you mentioned we've had a, a recent um kind of fair survey on a report launched but the, the some of the stats from it are, are, are quite telling. So, for example, one in, uh, less than one in three carers said they could afford their um, their kind of everyday kind of bills, 
referred to struggling financially. That's reduced from last year, and that's I think that's actually halved from the year before. The thing that's also quite striking about um, about our state of care and survey was that it kind of took over the the months of summer. You know, so it was kind of June, July, um, August, and September. Um, you think what's happened um, since that time. Uh, so you know, the, the concern is that that situation has, and particularly, got worse. Um, and for example, one one of our carers uh, mentioned how um, there she has a daughter who's OCD. Um, so she washes twice a day, and then obviously has to wash her clothes and and dry her clothes for for the germs. Or uh, and her electric bill in June was three hundred pound. Um, what's that now? You know, how is that affecting you know just something that's essential for that carer? Um, so there's a lot of concern there around how that you know those practical examples, um, and I think it's one size does not necessarily fit all for carers. Um, they've all different experiences and kind of different situations, but we're increasingly finding that more and more carers are struggling. And carers, to be brutally honest, at the start, but you know before the kind of the cost of living crisis, before the pandemic, we're just about getting by. You know, they were already had very little means uh, and very little kind of contingency to to get by generally on a, on a whole. Um, so if this recent cost of living crisis has just forced a lot to the lot to really brink. When we talk about cars, just for our listeners, the uh, if you can explain a wee bit more of what exactly cars are facing on a day-to-day basis. No, some not able to be engaged in full employment because of the demands on them. Obviously, then impacting on benefits, impacting on income, and everything like that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, suppose one of the things about uh, being an unpaid carer is you know it fits so many different kind of categories, and so many different people can you know can can see themselves or even not necessarily see themselves in it. Um, we find that a lot of carers actually um, would kind of supplement their their income by um, by kind of working and where possible. One of the the carers, um, one of the main kind of um, source of income for carers is carers allowance. Um, now, not all carers get it. There's quite rigid, uh, rigid kind of rules in terms of eligibility and, and kind of working uh, requirements for that. Um, and then obviously, even just the practicalities of, of looking after somebody, looking after somebody who's dependent, mm-hmm. it's very hard to to schedule in when something's going to be going to be particularly difficult or particularly hard. So, just for example, um, somebody like one carer could be up. Um, all night looking after their their loved one or the person they care for, and then going in for a nine o'clock you know job, it's quite difficult at times to kind of to kind of balance that balance that across. So there's a there's a lot of um, a lot of different examples where where that would would match up. Thank you, Liam. So we've we've heard some of the real challenges that um, different groups in society are facing. So. What can we do together to overcome overcome these challenges, Roisin? I'm going to direct that at you first of all. Um, I think that we have to be realistic of what we can do, but I think we need to look at how we collaborate. I think we need to incentivise collaboration here. Um, we need to be able to work cross-sectoral, the private, public and community and voluntary sector, because during COVID, I think everybody stepped up and seen it was a crisis and reacted that way and had an emergency response, as we were talking about earlier, Eddie. Um, this needs an emergency response, in my opinion. Um, so it needs all sectors to be looking at that. But we need to also, we understand, I mean, nobody's naive enough not to understand that money is going to be difficult for government and for all of us. We, we know that. So we have to be creative in how we come up with solutions. But we can only do that by collaborating. I think because we're such a small country, but it's such a big issue. Um, no, no one's going to open up a chest of money tomorrow, going to find a chest of money. So we need to think, how do we make our resources go as far as possible? And how can we work together? That's not about just money. That's also about services. And how can we learn from each other? And how can we be creative? 
because we know there's no it's not this is not for six months we know it's probably going to be 12 to 18 months so we know it's, we've, got to, we've got to dig in now for the long term and what we don't want is people that are ready um, as Liam referred to people are ready just about getting by not getting by literally not getting by so we have to and we also have to really push hard and campaign hard about different benefits what we can do but we need to be able to be and I think for me personally I think we need to start really actively campaigning and pushing and saying this is an issue we can't put our heads in the sand anymore we've got to actually get out and campaign and lobby hard on this to say that we need money we need money into the sector or else we are going to have serious consequences and I'm not I'm not even a pessimist I know it sounds like I am but I'm actually an optimist because I do think I think the the nature of Northern Ireland people is that we are very giving, we are quite creative, and I think that that's what we need to tap into now. Thank you. Eddie, final thoughts from yourself? Yeah, I think Rosine's totally right. You know, I think this is a crisis situation. I mean, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say a lot of older people have come up to me in recent months and said to me, this is worse than COVID. Now, I don't think anyone would have expected anyone to say that. You know, spending two years isolated at home is, it was actually better than the situation some people are facing themselves now. So we do have to work together as a society. I think there's no easy solution to this, but we do have to come up with creative ways of, you know, getting people out of the house, getting them engaged. Uh, and that'll have many positive factors, but it'll also have a knock-on impact on people's health. And one of the things that we're, we're struggling with at the minute is our hospitals and our health systems under major pressure. So we want to keep people as healthy as possible. And sitting in cold houses is not going to do that. So there's a real duty on us all to to work together to see how we can support people. And then look forward, you know, as, as Rajin says, in terms of the longer term, because this issue of energy prices isn't going to go away anytime soon. And Liam, the challenges then for cars and, and how we can work together. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's kind of, in a way, echoing what's been said. You know, we are facing into this big crisis, um, cost of living that potentially could last quite a while. Uh, in a crisis, you know, you, there's an, the emergency actions, your, your quick responses, you know, you, the, the, the essential kind of must-dos, they won't be perfect, but they, you know, they're essential. And then it's looking at the long-term kind of changes. Um, so for, for carers, a lot of the issues are like reforming the health service, reforming the, the social security service, looking about how to support carers allowance and how to uplift that and increase that um, support, flexible working. So there's a range of actually policy initiatives and things that can be done. Um, but I suppose in the, the short term, we just need that kind of initial financial support to let people get past week from week into month to month and into year, year to year. So they are living rather than just existing. And then looking about how we, how we have a more sustainable uh, public service. And just where we have the opportunity, certainly an example of working together um, is the the letter that so many groups put towards MLAs um, in terms of the cost of living crisis, um, calling for the pause in social security debt for six months to reinstate the £20 uplift to universal credit, the extended legacy benefit, uh, a one-off payment of £500 to those entitled to disability benefit or cars allowance, uh, and remove the two-child limit uh, for universal credit and tax credit. Uh, it's not a huge ask, but it's a huge campaign. And certainly I, I know many within the room and, and that others have put those letters to the MLAs. And it's just one example um, of how we can work together to put the pressure in the right places to, to get, as Liam said, the emergency monies out because this is a crisis. Folks, thank you very, very much for joining us today. Um, it has 
been a pleasure. There are huge challenges ahead of us. Um, if anybody needs any more information, please do check out Cars NA, uh, the Older People's Commissioner, or indeed Community Foundation NA on social media uh, or on their websites. Contact numbers and everything are there if you need any additional support. And certainly all the organisations would be more than happy um, to talk um, to you directly, whether it be within the Grantees Network or Cars or Older People, or indeed anybody else who sometimes might just be looking signposted, feel free to get in touch. Thank you.